Today we will finish our sermon series, Financial Aid, Finding God's Plan for Your Finances. Today is the fourth message, and it'll be the final message in the series. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right up front this morning, today's message is not logical. It's not. Today's message doesn't make any sense, and I'll just tell you up front, it does not make any sense, but it is still God's Word. It is still the truth of God that we're going to see today. Today, our message is entitled, The Great Indicator, The Great Indicator. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6, 7, and 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, some verses pulled out of a larger context on giving, chapter 9, verses 6, 7, and and eight. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning here in the sixth verse. Now, this I say He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today, we're thankful for you, we're thankful for our salvation through our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. That as we stand here today, as we've put our faith in Christ, as we've confessed that sin, that we can stand free from that sin, forgiven in the sight of a holy God. Lord, I'm thankful for your church that you you place us in, supernaturally place us in to serve you, to encourage one another, to take up the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would bless your church. I pray that you would lead your church, that you would use your church, that you would be greatly glorified through your church. Lord, I come today and I'm thankful for your word, the the truth of the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through it. I pray that our ears would be open, that our minds, our hearts would be receptive. And I pray, Lord, that it would be a supernatural event this morning as you speak to us through your word. Let us be changed this morning. And then, Lord, I pray if there's one in this room and maybe several that do not have a saving knowledge, a saving faith of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that today in the presentation of this gospel, that today might be the day that they pass from death unto life. Today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I know that is your plan. Lord, I know that is your heart. I know it's your will. You've said it. So I pray, Lord, that there would be salvations in this very hour. Lord, I pray that all that we would do, all that we will do on this Lord's day would bring glory to you, our resplendent God. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, today we're gonna wrap up our sermon series. And my, my prayer, my hope is that it has made an impact, that it will make an impact in such an important area as our finances. In fact, my prayer is that 
the impact would just be starting, that it wouldn't just be these four weeks or these four Sundays that we've passed through, but my prayer is that the impact would now just be starting, that we would now see differently, that we would live differently in light of the truth of God's word. Let me just tell you, what a great thing it would be for this one area of our life to line up with what God has said concerning this area. What a, what a tremendous thing. I don't think we can imagine that. What an awesome thing it would be if just this one area, the area of our finances, would line up with what God has said in the truth of his word. That is my hope. That is my prayer. Very quickly, we'll start off with a, with a quick review. Remember first, in this area, God has spoken in his grace, and it really is his grace to us, in his tremendous wisdom, God has spoken in the area of our finances. Now, we sometimes think, well, he speaks about salvation. He speaks about religious issues. Well, he has spoken to us in his wisdom and his grace in the area of our finances. And so remember, the the truth of the first week is, so we turn to the word of God as our source of truth. We turn to the word of God as our source of truth. Now, we see that. We see it all the time. That is countercultural. That is viewed as ignorant, especially today. But we as believers, we need to be trained to go to God's word as our source of truth. Then the second week, remember, we saw that the key, the secret to success in the area of our finances. And and there's so many secrets that are presented and, and so many things that are revealed as the great piece that you're missing, the secret. Well, we saw the secret to our success in our finances is contentment. We live in this more, more, more culture where it's never enough. We live in this materialistically driven world where we seek all of these things. And the the truth is, the secret to finding success in our finances is finding, resting in contentment. And we found that the secret to contentment is found only in Jesus Christ. And if you are not satisfied in Jesus, listen, you will never be satisfied with stuff. You will never be satisfied with a bunch of things. You'll never be satisfied in all the experiences that you can take in And that is why this is a religious issue. That is why this is a biblical issue. Really, that is why this is ultimately a gospel issue. We must be satisfied in Christ. Let me stop right here for just a second. Are you really? Or is there something still lacking in your life? Are you still looking for something else? Are you still needing something else? Yes, I know I've got eternal life and yes, I've put my faith in Jesus Christ but I would like to have this thing or I need this thing or if this thing would be fulfilled then I could be content in my life. Are you still looking for something else? And if you are, let me just tell you very simply, you need to put your eyes back on Jesus. You see, the truth of the gospel is In Jesus Christ, we have all we need. 
You see, it's alive, the world, it's alive. Satan is saying, you know what? You can have Jesus, but you know what? You need something else. In Jesus Christ, if we're looking for hope, we've got it. If you're looking for security, oh, I'd like to have security. In Jesus, we've got it. I would like to have a future. My past is so rough. Oh, I'd like to have a future. In Jesus, we've got it. I'd like to have peace in my life. Listen, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have found it. And so the secret to success in the area of our finances is contentment. And the secret to contentment is Jesus Christ. Then last week, last week was a very practical week. Last week we saw God's plan for our finances, really a to-do list from God's word. Well, I wish he would just tell me what to do. If he would just tell me what to do, I would get in line and I would follow that. Well, last week we saw from God's word really a to-do list concerning our finances. Let me walk you through these. The first was to plan. God's plan is for us to plan. It's not happenstance. It is not a random thing. It's not by chance. We plan and we build our plans using God's wisdom, the Bible. We build our plans in much prayer. The Bible says, if you need wisdom, ask for wisdom. And so we pray for the area of our finances. We pray as we build our plan. We look to God's word as our source of wisdom. And so we plan. The second thing, we work. We earn by working. The truth is, God blesses work. What, what a simple truth, but what a missing truth today. God blesses work. He blesses work. We live in an age where everybody's trying to get out of work. Everybody's trying to skirt by their work. They're trying to do the things that they'd like to do and do it to the neglect of their work. God blesses work. More than that, we find value in producing something. We live in a life, an age where people are hollow and people are wondering, what is my purpose? You find pride, you find value in producing something. We're to work. That is the second part of God's plan. The third thing is this. We're to save. As we earn, we save. As we earn income, as income comes in, we save. Now, remember from last week, if you can't save, well, you know what, my bills are too big. You know what, I'm not able to save. If you can't save, then you go back to step one and you readjust the plan. It is God's plan that we would save as we earn. Now, the truth of last week is this. God's plan works. You know God's plan actually works. God will bless his plan. If you will dedicate your finances to him, if you'll seek to honor him in the plan of your finances, if you'll work as though you're working for the Lord, if you will save as you're earning, God's plan still stands. I know that. Well, that brings us to today, the last piece. And this is the part that makes no sense. Now, I go through those other things. You know what? They're a little bit counter to the world's ideas, but they make sense. You know what? You want to have income? Go get a job. Work. That makes sense. Today actually doesn't make any sense. It goes against all logic, and that is in the area of our giving. As we start, do you ever wonder, now truthfully, 
Do you ever wonder, how am I doing as a Christian? How, how am I doing in my walk with Jesus Christ? Not the facade, not the, the show that others can see, but actually how am I doing in my walk with Jesus Christ? Am I growing in that? Am I different than I used to be? Am I honoring Christ in the things that I do? How am I doing in my Christian life? Well, today in this area, in the area of our giving, we're going to see some pretty good indicators. And so it's a good thing. We're going to see some pretty telling signs, some pretty good indicators here in the area of our giving. Now, we are in verses today in 2 Corinthians. This is Paul's letter, one of his letters, to the church in Corinth. In the letter, in 2 Corinthians, he is writing to this church and he is instructing them in some areas. Now, really more than that, he is correcting them in some areas. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ. The church has started. The church is growing. And he writes the letter back to them to instruct them, but really more than that, to correct them in some areas. Well, one of those areas happens to be in the area of their giving. Now, see the context here. They had been instructed to raise money for the Christian movement, for the church in Jerusalem. They were instructed, you know what, here in your church, you're to, you're to raise this money and you're to take up this money for the church there in Jerusalem. In the preceding verses, before the verses that we're going to look at today, they are being reminded of that. They are being instructed in that. Part of those verses, it tells of the Macedonian church, they had done the same thing. They had been faithful. And so their example was upheld. What if, what if they are faithful? What if they give only to find out that you are not? Only to find out that you did not? Paul says, what would that say of you? What would that say of your commitment to the gospel? What would that say in your belief in the cause of Jesus Christ? And do you see the correlation there? You say you love Christ. You say you love the gospel. You say you're committed to his cause. What would it say to the Macedonians if they hear that you're not even giving? Let me start off this morning by establishing this. Listen very carefully. Part of our commitment to Christ and part of our commitment to his church is expressed in, listen, is tied to our giving. Part of our commitment to Jesus Christ, part of our commitment to his church is expressed in our giving. Very simply today, we further the cause of the gospel by giving to the church. Go read the rest of this chapter. The gospel goes out. We're committed to the cause of Christ. The gospel goes out by our giving to the church. Now, I won't stay here very long, but there's always the question, well, how much should we give? How, how much should we give? In the Old Testament, the starting place was the tithe. The tithe literally translates 10%. It was 10% of the, 
of their income. Now, there were other offerings on top of that, but the command, the starting place was the tithe. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. The first 10% of your income. Now, after that, again, there were other offerings on top of that. Uh, I read that, that if you add up all of those Old Testament offerings, the, the corners of the field and the, the other offerings as well, that it came to around 30 to 35% of their income. The tithe is the starting place, but when you add all that other stuff in, it comes to around 30 to 35% of their income. That's the Old Testament standard. Then in the New Testament, our standard is really we give according to what we have received. Now, I believe that pattern, that standard from the Old Testament is still a great starting point. I believe that's a good thing to reference. That is still the example, but really as New Testament Christians, we give as we have received. Now, we're going to see in a few moments that mount isn't really the matter here. That amount really isn't the issue here. Let me say this. Today, the statistics say that 20% of the members of the church give 80% of the church's money. It takes a pretty good chunk of money to run this church, to do the things that, that we endeavor to do as a church. Statistics say that 20% of the membership of the church give 80% of the money. Those same statistics say that 50% rarely give any money. 50% rarely give any money. Now, I'll just tell you, I don't see what the giving record is of our church, but I believe that is probably closer to 10%. I believe probably 10% of the membership of our church gives 90% of the money. Now, I want you to understand that has nothing to do with your wealth. All oh, the, the wealthy members need to give. It has nothing to do with your wealth. I believe 10% of our membership give 90% of the money. But we need to see this today. We need to understand this. Nothing has changed. Our commitment to Christ and our commitment to the cause of Christ through the church shows up in our giving. And let me say this, for those of us that live the way that we live and we go the places that we go and we eat the things in the places that we eat and we spend the way that we spend while the cause of the gospel is hindered for a lack of finances, that is a sin. That's not right. That's a sin. I want to tell you the most unpopular message you can preach is that message, but I want to tell you your commitment to the body of Christ, to the cause of Christ is showing up in your giving and it is a sin that the gospel would be hindered while we spend the money that we spend on the things that we do. Nothing has changed. So that's the context for our verses. He's writing to this church and says, oh, what a terrible thing it would be for the Macedonians to hear of your love for the gospel, but to see that you do not support it financially. That brings us to our verses today. Let's see what our verses say. First thing today is this. Our giving, listen to these very carefully. Our giving now indicates our future. Our giving now indicates our future. Chapter 9, verse 6 says this. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now get this today. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. This is what is illogical. We think we have a gain by hoarding. We think we have a gain by coveting and getting and keeping. That is, that is how we gain, and that just makes sense. If you want a bigger pile, you keep adding to the pile. If you want that pile to stay big, you don't let anything go out of that pile. That makes sense to us. Well, listen, the, the crazy, wacko, upside-down economy of God is this. We do the opposite. We gain by giving. We gain by giving. In fact, God says this. If you give little, the word sparingly, it literally translates stingily. Oh, I've got to hold on to this. Oh, I'm not sure I can make it without this. And, and you know what, I'll, I'll do this. Maybe somebody will, will see me do this or maybe I can get God off my back if I do this and I give stingily. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have given so much. God says this, if you give stingily, if you give sparingly, that is how you're gonna reap. But he says, if you give bountifully, I went and looked the word up, it literally translates beneficially or as a blessing. If you give beneficially, if you give as a blessing, you will reap beneficially. Now to your benefit, you will reap as a blessing. Now what that literally means is if you want a big harvest, friend, you better get to sowing because you can't outgive God. That's what that's what God's word says. Friends, we think that we gain by keeping it stacked in a pile. The truth is in God's economy, we gain by giving big. Now, I want to say this, that's not Creflo Dollar talking. That's not Kenneth Copeland or any of those other kooks talking. That's what God says. That's his law. You know what? You want a big harvest, you put in a lot of seed. And you know what? If you don't put much seed in, you're not going to get much of a harvest. That's the word of God. Listen to what Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Now this is Jesus himself speaking. Jesus says this. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Jesus says you're going to get to pick the size of the scoop. And if you want to use a tablespoon, it'll come back to you in a tablespoon. But if you want to use a scoop shovel, it's coming back in a scoop shovel. The measure you choose will be the measure administered to you. Those are the words of Christ. One of the things I hear is that, you know what, I can't afford to give right now. I hope to be there someday. We can't afford to give right now. We're, we're gonna get right and we're gonna get this figured out. And oh, I'd like to be like those folks. I would like to give like that. Let me tell you something, friend. That's probably the problem. I wanna tell you the truth of God's word is this, you can't afford not to give. Again, we're not talking about what your income is. You can't afford not to give. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Now, I want to stop right there for just a second. Wow, that's kind of tough part of a sermon, isn't it? That's tough. How awesome is it that God lets dumb, sinful people 
choose the size of the scoop that he will minister blessings to them with. How awesome is that? It doesn't say, well, you've got to have 10 degrees and four big jobs. You have to have an inheritance. You have to have 10 oil wells that are pumping somewhere. He says, whoever you are, you get to decide. How awesome is that? That's the first thing. Your giving now is an indication of your future. Here's the second thing. Your giving now, and that's going to get serious, is an indication of your heart. Your giving now is an indication of your heart. How is your heart? Do you have a new heart? Has your heart been changed? Do you have a soft heart? Do you have a heart that looks like our Savior, Jesus Christ? How is your heart? Well, pretty good indicators in your giving. Look at verse 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know this is not an economic issue? Not really. This is not a budget issue. This is not an income issue. This is a heart issue. The truth is, your heart will decide your giving. The truth is your heart has been deciding your giving. And the truth is your heart is revealed in your giving. Plain and simple, this is a matter of the heart. I think it's very interesting here, and I I like to, to see what the words are saying. It's very interesting that it says, you must do as you've purposed in your ledger. You must do as you've purposed in your QuickBooks. You must do as you've decided as you've purposed in your mind. It doesn't say any of those things. It says in your heart. Your giving is a matter of your heart. Here's a pretty great part of the verse. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. I want you to look at how this breaks down. For God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful, let's look at it first. In the original language, it means a joyous giver, a a person that is overflowing with joy, a joyous, joyous bubbling out of that person. That, That is that person, a joyous giver. The root word is actually a word that we get the word for hilarious from. A person that joy, just hilarious joy, rolls out of them. This is the person, this is the giver that says, you know what, this is what I get to give, and I love my God, and I'm so excited that I've got this to give, and you know what, I wish I had more to give, and it bubbles up in them. Oh, I'm so happy, I'm so excited, a a messed up sinner like myself, that I could give this to the cause of Jesus Christ, and they're joyous in their giving, and overflows out of them. Oh, I'm so happy to give it to you, Lord. The word loves. God loves a cheerful giver. The word loves in its context in the original language means takes pleasure in, esteems, longs for. God longs for that person. God takes pleasure 
in that person. I, I was looking at that definition and thinking about that. What that means at the basic level is this. That person makes God happy. That person makes God's happy. Listen, listen to me today. Hear me very carefully this morning. God has blessed me. He has blessed me. Oh, has he blessed me? He has blessed me. I could make you a list that would run for days. He's blessed me with my wife. He's blessed me with my kids. He's blessed me with my home. Oh, we are so blessed. He has blessed me. Man, my God has blessed me. More than that, he has given me a savior. He's given me a savior that though I'd sinned and was stuck in my sin, that forgives me, that redeems me, goes and pays the cost for me in his own blood. I have a savior that wants me. I have a Savior that calls me friend. I have a Savior that has secured my future and I will spend eternity with him in heaven. God has blessed me and I want to make that God happy. I want to make that God happy and I want to tell you, I want him to be pleased when he sees me and if it's in all of the stupid money that I could gather up, he could have it all. He's blessed me and I want to make him happy. God loves a cheerful giver. How he gives an indication of our hearts. You know what, Lord, it doesn't last anyway. You can have it all. I want to be making you happy, Lord. And the last thing is this. How we give now is an indication of our future. How we give now is an indication of our heart. Here's the big one. How we give now indicates our faith. How we give now indicates our faith. Listen to verse 8. Verse 8 is made up of a bunch of great words. I love, I love it when these words have a deep meaning, when they tie together. Verse 8, each one of these words is important. Listen to verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now I want you to listen to that again. So important. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now let's move through this. It says this, God is able. God is able. Understand this is a supernatural work. This is a supernatural thing. God is able. Not relying upon me, not my intellect, not my strength, not my wisdom. God is able. That's why my logic doesn't help here. That's why my logic is out. God is able to make all grace abound to you. God is able to make all grace abound to you. Now, grace is not what you've earned, but what he gives. And so understand, God is giving this. It's going to abound to us. God is giving this. So that, now listen to this, always having all sufficiency in everything. Now, I want you to look at these words. They're very awesome. Always means always. So that always, listen, 
at all times, when you can't see it, when you can't understand it, when it seems like it's tough, so that always, at all times, having all sufficiency, what that means is it is enough. It means that your needs are met. Having at all times all sufficiency in everything. Hear that today. In everything. When I, when I think about that, I think about Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Verse goes on. So that you may have an abundance more than enough so that you may have an abundance for every good deed. Listen very carefully right here. Four weeks come together right here. All of this teaching come together, that all comes together right here. Here's what this means. If you seek to honor God in your finances, and you draw a line in the sand and say, God, you know what? I'm going to honor you in my finances. I'm going to consider you in my finances. If you seek to submit your plans to his glory, and if you plan using the wisdom of his word, if you pray as you go through those plans, if you, as you work and you work in an excellent manner and you work as though you're working for the Lord, as you save, saving as you go, saving as you earn, and as you are radically, crazily giving to God because of the overflow of your heart, you love God so much, it says this, that you will have all that you're ever gonna need. You're gonna have an abundance to do every single thing that God has called you to do, and that is the promise of God. It will never run out, all sufficiency, all times, to the glory of God. What a promise that is. Merrill Lynch can't touch that. E.F. Hutton can't touch that. The bank can't touch that. Fort Knox can't touch that. Listen, if you will submit your plans to God, if you will honor God in your finances, if you'll work as though you're working for the Lord, if you'll plan as you go, if you'll save as you go, and if you give and you give and you give because your heart overflows with love with God, it says you'll not do without not one day. What a promise. Right there I start to see the gospel. Let me, let me explain that to you. Here's the question. Do you believe it? Do you trust him with it all? Not, not just your giving, but with all of it? Do you trust him with your planning? Do you trust him with your working? Do you trust him with your saving, with your giving as well? I, I can't get there. I'm not there yet. You know what? If, if I get these things in order, then I'll do that. I, I would like to be there. Do you trust him with it all? Very simply, do you trust him enough to be obedient? You see, if you go down to verse 13, it says that's what this really is all about. It's about obedience. And so the question of all of this comes down to this. Where is your faith? This is a good indication. 
Where is your faith? Is it in Jesus or is it in something else? Is it in Jesus or is it placed somewhere else? You see, listen to me very carefully here, dear friends. It's not about our finances. It's not about our money. That's such a small thing. None of it's going to last anyway. It's not about our money. It's not about our finances. It is about your heart given to Jesus Christ. It is about your faith placed in Jesus Christ. It is about trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You see, that is how we are saved. That is where our hope lies, and that is the point point to all of this. It is a question, where is your faith? Is it in Jesus? Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Jesus, oh Jesus, Without him, how lost I would be. Is your faith in Jesus? Our finances, as important as they are, are just an indicator. Today, are your, is your faith in Jesus Christ? Is your hope in Jesus Christ? Is your security in Jesus Christ? Is your faith in Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm thankful for these verses. I'm thankful for the truth that you, you do care about all the areas of our life. You do care about your people, and you're gracious to us, and you tell us how to live in the best manner. You tell us how to live in a manner that you would bless us. You even tell us how to live in a way that you would be happy with us. And so, Lord, first we come and we just want to tell you we're thankful for your instruction regarding our finances. I pray that we would be instructed in that. I pray that we would be equipped in that. I pray as we move out of here that we would consider the truth of God's word, that we would bathe our plans in prayer, and that our finances would exist for the glory of our living God. But, Lord, I'm more thankful. Lord, I'm thankful for that, but I'm more thankful that I see even in this thing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see how upside down it is that the one that never sinned comes and dies for my sin, and that's upside down. I see the one that had sinned and rebelled and had slandered her name gets to benefit from the, from the work of the Savior on the cross of Calvary and how that's upside down. I see I rebelled against you, turned against you, and in the finished work of Christ, I will spend eternity with you rejoicing and how that is upside down. And Lord, I come and I see all of it goes back to Jesus. Lord, I pray for some here that do not know Jesus. I pray that today in, in the, maybe the indicator of their finances, maybe in the, the indicator of the other things in their life, that they see their need for a Savior today. Lord, I pray that right now that you've moved in their hearts Today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray for us here as believers that we would reaffirm we trust you enough to obey you and this is just one small area. Help us to obey. We love you, Lord. We, we praise you. We want to bless you. We want to cause you to be happy. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.